Daniel chapter number 6. If there is an example of faithfulness in the Scriptures, speaking of men, we certainly find that in, in Daniel. But I think there was something specific about him and about these men that have been mentioned up here um, that propelled Daniel, motivated Daniel, inspired Daniel to remain faithful all of those many years of his life in the circumstances he was in. And I think it was the fact that he had an excellent spirit. And so I want to read uh, for us this morning. You follow along as I do. We're going to read beginning in verse 1, and we will read to verse 9. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom an hundred and twenty princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or any man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. I think you know the rest of the story. And again, it highlights the faithfulness and Daniel's willingness and desire to continue in following the Lord. But we're not going to talk about his faithfulness this morning. I want to talk about verse 3 and this excellent spirit that was found in him. And so I'm going to preach, God helping me, message entitled, A Right Spirit in a Wrong World. A Right Spirit in a Wrong World. Will you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for the privilege to preach. Thank you for your word. Thank you for how it's a help. It builds us. It challenges us. It helps us to see the truth. It is truth. And we thank you for it this morning. And I ask that you would help me as I preach, that you would give clarity, that you would guide my thoughts, that you would arrest the attention of everyone who's listening. And God, that you would give us something this morning, something that is specific that we need. And I pray that you would reveal to us our 
hearts, our motives, our attitudes. God, that you would help us. I need your help. We all need your presence. And so we pray that you would use this time to conform us more to the image of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Daniel had an excellent spirit. What is spirit? One of the ways that we try to define it is synonymous with attitude. The way that we think and feel about certain things, the perspective that we have, the outlook that we have, is attitude, spirit. And his spirit was excellent, simply meaning extraordinary or preeminent. And so an excellent spirit would be a godly attitude. It would be the Christ-like spirit. And we see that example in our Lord throughout the New Testament and exemplified through His servants so often. People, as you know, can have a positive spirit or attitude, or they can have a negative spirit. And most of the time, you can tell right away before a word is spoken, you can tell right away about an attitude. It's, uh, it's, it's almost like a cloud that walks into the room. It's like an unsavory smell sometimes and offensive to the Spirit of God. But an excellent spirit is one that is influenced and empowered by the Lord. You understand this morning that attitude is more important than ability and talent. God has gifted all of His children. He's given us gifts and talents. But I have seen many who have abilities and have talents that have a very sour spirit, a bad attitude that makes them not conducive to service oftentimes in churches. And then I've seen those who did not boast of talent, didn't seem to have many gifts, but they had an excellent attitude. They had a right spirit. And I'll tell you this, that pastors and principals who are hiring young men and young ladies to serve in the ministry are not always looking for, rarely looking for primarily your gifts and your talents as much as your spirit, your attitude, and how you respond to leadership. We've heard it, I've heard it since I was a a teenager, that attitude determines altitude, and there's certainly some truth to that. Someone said the only difference between a good day and a bad day is your attitude. Because regardless of the circumstances of the day, and those circumstances that I cannot control, there is one thing I can control by the power of God. That's my attitude. And it's vital. And so I want to give you three things this morning concerning Daniel and looking at his attitude, his spirit, his excellent spirit. And so if you're still with me in Daniel chapter 
number six, I want you to see, first of all, Daniel's status. Verses one through three, it says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. Now, the kingdoms, the empire of the Babylonians is now transitioned to the Median Empire, the Medes and Persians. Daniel is not a young man here. As a matter of fact, it's, it's probable that he's in his 80s at this point. He's seen a lot in his days. He's experienced a lot of things. And here he is in his 80s. And the Bible tells us in verse 2, and over these three and over these three presidents of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. So here's Daniel's status. Darius appointed 120 princes to rule over his kingdom, And over these 120 men were three men who ruled with Darius as vice-regents, we would say. And over them all was Daniel, who answered directly to the king. What What an opportunity. And what is so amazing here is the fact that Daniel was a slave. But he was faithful to God, and God had blessed him and given him influence. He found favor with every pagan king he served. And after 70 years of faithful service, this former slave had become prime minister of the most powerful government in the world. God used Daniel to change two empires because Daniel would not be changed. He was faithful. And it didn't matter who was in charge, and it didn't matter the powers that be. It didn't matter the the change in government. Daniel knew who his authority was. Daniel knew who he served. Daniel knew God. And he had an excellent spirit throughout the entire process of his life. God honored him and gave him favor and used him to impact the world. Daniel's status. But I want you to see Daniel's struggle. Look at with me in verses 4 through 9. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. These leaders were jealous, envious, they resented Daniel. And in our terms, or this culture's terms today, he was about to get canceled. They were going to try to cut him out. They were going to try to remove his influence and remove his presence. And ultimately, their desire was to have his life taken. Verse 5, Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. They knew he was faithful. Insomuch they knew that when he prayed and how often he prayed, they said, let's make laws that make the laws of his God illegal. Does that sound familiar? Verse 6, Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius lived forever. All the presidents. Wait a minute. Not all the presidents. There was one they left out. 
The one to whom this concern, all the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree. It's amazing, even back then they were making a minority number to appear to be a majority. And the decree they wanted was that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. No prayer, no asking, a petition of anyone except you, king. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, king Darius in pride, flattery, and perhaps in an effort to unite Babylonian people and the Persian empire, signed the writing and the decree. Daniel's struggle. These who were in position with him, plotting against him, trying to destroy him, trying to find fault, bringing accusation, But this struggle didn't begin in his senior years. This wasn't the first time that Daniel has faced anything like this. As a teenager, he was taken as a slave. His family was most likely murdered. He was ripped from his home. He was marched for miles and miles to a foreign land. He was treated as property. He was owned. He had no rights. He had no say. He was made to change his name, his language, and his identity. His life is threatened because the magicians and astrologers can't interpret the king's dream. His closest friends were thrown into a fiery furnace. Daniel is later troubled in his thoughts to tell the king the interpretation of the humbling that is about to come his way. Later on, midlife, he's forgotten by Belshazzar. His faithful service, all of those years, is dismissed. He's in essence put on a shelf until the handwriting on the wall. He's cast into a den of lions because he did, Darius did sign the decree. They knew that Daniel would be praying. They set him up. They saw him praying. Daniel was not trying to be rebellious to Darius, but obedient to a greater power, a greater command to his God. He prayed as usual. They came in, they trapped him. He was taken and put into a den of lions. He goes, Daniel goes through the change of empires, from the Babylonians to the Medes and Persians. Throughout his life, he has been attacked. He has been slandered. He has been disrespected. He has been misunderstood. He has been uh, criticized. If anybody had the right in the sight of man to be sour and to be bitter and to be angry and unforgiving and resentful, it was Daniel. And I've often thought, how would I respond to those things? How have I responded to some of those things in my life? How have you responded? 
I'm challenged by Daniel's life. And I'm challenged by the fact that through all of these things, he always came to the place where he trusted God. Do you think he was tempted with thoughts of resentment and revenge? Probably so. Do you think that in his weakness he might have thought of things and and thought things were unfair? Probably so. But he always came back to the understanding that God is in control and that God is sovereign and that God had placed him there and he was faithful to that God. He had an excellent spirit. How do you respond when you're misunderstood? Or when people criticize you? Even peers, those that are close to you. Because the enemy, the devil, is looking for, for, his, for God's people to display that bad attitude, that bad spirit, that, that spirit of the world. That carnal and fleshly thinking. Because he wants to take advantage of your life and destroy your life and destroy your influence. And had Daniel given in to that, then his influence that impacted empires would have been brought to naught. The difference, I see, is an excellent spirit. I want you to notice that. Number three, Daniel's spirit. Look at verse 3 with me again. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because he had an excellent spirit. Because an excellent, excuse me, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault. What a testimony. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. This is not suggesting that Daniel was perfect or sinless. We understand that. But his response to all of these things was motivated by his love and faithfulness to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And they knew they couldn't find fault except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Listen, the Bible tells us that Darius promoted Daniel because he possessed an excellent spirit, a preeminent or extraordinary attitude. Daniel had a spirit in him that set him apart from everyone else around him. He had an attitude that seemed to always end up focused on and faithful to the Lord. How did he keep a right spirit in such a wrong world? How do you and I keep a right spirit in such a wrong world? There is more division, polar opposites of of this world's uh, way of thinking, its mindset, its worldview, compared to those of believers. And that distinction is becoming clearer and clearer. And the hatred and the jealousy and the envy and all of the anger and resentment of the world towards God's people is becoming more and more apparent, more openly shown. 
And without a revival, without God stepping in and making the, the obvious difference, those things are going to continue to get worse and worse. And, and listen, Daniel was in a position that he had no control over. And yet he chose that even during those things and the wickedness of the world that he lived in at the time, he made a decision. And we see that throughout his life. What revealed his, his godly attitude? Let's look at some different evidences, some different uh, uh, examples, if you will, of, of proof positive of an excellent spirit. Turn back to chapter number 1, and we'll just go through this quickly, but I want you to see these things in chapter number 1 and chapter number 2. Because it didn't begin when he became an older man. It didn't begin when he was in his middle ages. It began from the very beginning when he was a young man. Look in verse number 8. Of course, we understand that he was taken and given the, was supposed to take the king's meat and wine. But Daniel, verse 8, purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. These meats and these wines, they were not kosher as we would say. They were non-kosher and they had been offered uh, to false idols and he did not want to defile himself even though they tried or changed his name and even though they were, uh, he was learning the tongue of the Chaldeans and all of the negative things that had taken place in his life, Daniel purposed because of his attitude, his spirit toward God, his love for him, he purposed that he wasn't going to defile himself with it. Look in verse, uh, the, the end of verse number 8. So he comes, and the Bible says, therefore he requested. Now think about that. He's a slave. He has purposed that he's not going to defile himself. You know, sometimes we think that when we purpose to do something, we have an attitude of nobody's going to stand in my way and I'm going to do what God says to do no matter what. And we, we flaunt that type of attitude. We see the humility of Daniel as he comes and he requests. It's amazing what God can do in the hearts of others when we enter into that conflict with the right spirit. He requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Verse 9. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Proverbs says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. There's a lot that we can learn from Daniel and his attitude toward the circumstances he finds himself in. Look with me in verse number 17. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all what? In all what? Learning. If you're learning, what does that mean? You're teachable. That's easy to do when you want to be in the school. But he didn't want to be in the Chaldean University. But he was teachable. God gave them knowledge 
and skill in all learning. Daniel had a lot to learn, and the Bible goes on to say, and wisdom. Not only did he have, not only was he teachable, but he had wisdom, how to use it. And Daniel had understanding in all visions. Look in chapter 2 and verse number 18. We know Nebuchadnezzar has a dream that troubles him. And this Nebuchadnezzar is going to destroy all of the magicians and wise men upon, uh, of which or of whom Daniel is in that group. Because he not only, the king, the, the Nebuchadnezzar, not only wants the interpretation of the dream, but as you know, he wants to know what the dream was. And the magicians and Chaldeans, they say to him, look, nobody's ever asked this, and, and if you'll tell us what the dream is, then we'll tell you the interpretation. He says, no, if you can't tell me, then all of you are going to die. And they send out the people to do so. Verse 14, Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He asked him, why is this taking place? Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. And Daniel went in his house and got his three friends together that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven. Instead of taking things into his own hand and being self-reliant and, and, and uh, de- relying upon his favor that he had been given, he went to the only one who could do something about the situation. He prayed. You know, oftentimes we get in a struggle and we want to take things into our own hands and we uh, forget to pray or use prayer as a last resort. But isn't it amazing when we remember, hey, God, I may be familiar with this, but I need you to help me in every breath and every step of life. And God, in this circumstance, I'm praying for your help. This was a very serious situation. And he went to the Lord in prayer. God answered that prayer. And we see him praising God instead of criticizing the the accusers. We see him offer uh, gratitude in verse number 23. I thank thee and praise thee, O God of my fathers. He had gratitude instead of of complaining about the unfairness and uh, the uh, foolish decisions that were made. Verse 27 and 28, Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot... Cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king? But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets. Daniel wasn't taking that upon himself. He wasn't taking credit for it. He was giving the glory to God. He was witnessing of the power of God. And he said, He that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. Nebuchadnezzar, I'm not the one that's doing it, but I have a God who can. And he's going, to, he's going to show you His power and reveal these secrets because He knows all. And then we see the humility of Daniel. Verse 30, But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation to the king, and that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. Humility. Look in verse 48 and 49. Then we see 
Again, the attributes of Christ through all of this. He promoted others. Verse 48, Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. He's given great authority and great position of influence. But notice his attitude, his spirit. Well, then Daniel requested of the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Daniel wanted to push his friends forward. It wasn't all about him. It wasn't about the favor. He wasn't doing it to get position. He was doing it to honor God. And as a result, God gave him favor and influence. But he understood that wasn't just because of him. It was because of his friends around him that helped him. And and he wanted to push them forward and help them in return. Oh, we see the evidence of a a right spirit, of a a godly attitude, a Christ-like spirit in Daniel throughout his life. With an excellent spirit, Daniel excelled at his job, at his workplace. He was given authority, promotion, and trust, and testimony. Even if you work for secular and lost and unsaved people, if you and I could have a Christ-like spirit and respond in the power of the Spirit of God to circumstances, even at our jobs, we'll find that God will promote us. I'm not talking about a higher position necessarily as much as influence. Because the greatest power that you and I can have is the power of the Spirit of God influencing others through us. With an excellent spirit, Daniel made fewer mistakes. I mean, even his enemies looked for mistakes and couldn't find them. He was responding the right way. With an excellent spirit, Daniel influenced leaders of leaders, kings, who in turn influenced empires. Daniel endured hardships patiently and came out better and closer to God. And that's always the purpose of them. He received God's favor as well as favor of those in authority over him. He was faithful to God. God was a priority. And listen, you will not be faithful to God if you have a wrong attitude toward God. And so I want to just give you, if I can, in the few moments that we have left, if I can, I want to just give you some very, very practical, almost embarrassingly practical thoughts to take with you. Because I believe that all of us here want to have a right spirit. And I know we're all tempted at times not to. But if I can just give you a few things just quickly and we'll be done. If you want to have a right spirit, then yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. We're commanded to be filled with the Spirit. How do we do that? How do we obey that? You yield to be filled. You surrender to the Spirit of God and the work that He wants to do in your life. Yield to the Holy Spirit. How about asking the Lord to show you if you have a bad spirit? Listen, you want to have a right spirit? Ask Him to show you a wrong spirit, a wrong attitude. Daniel prayed, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. Are you willing to pray that? Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way within me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Ask God to show you bad attitudes and bad motives. You know what He'll do? He'll show it to you. And it helps us. It humbles us. But I dare say that 
as soon as I mentioned that we were looking at an excellent spirit and talking about a right attitude, if the Spirit of God lives in you, I guarantee most of you already know if there's an area or have been reminded of an area of a bad attitude. Stay with me. And so what do you do? Well, you simply confess it honestly, vulnerably to the Lord. Openly, genuinely. How about this? Daily ask the Lord to help you have a right spirit. You know people who press your buttons. Satan knows how to press your buttons. And so daily, and even several times a day, ask the Lord to help you have a right spirit. David prayed, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right what? Spirit within me. He prayed, let the the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my God, my strength and my Redeemer. Pray and present your body. And pray to the Lord, I present my body to you, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service. Lord, help me not to be conformed to this world in the way that it lives, in the way that it thinks, in the attitudes that it portrays. I don't want to be conformed to this world. But help me to be transformed. How? By the renewing of my mind. That I may prove, that I may know, that I may demonstrate to the world what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Pray that God would help you to have a right spirit. Pray the Scriptures. Speak truth in the inward parts. You know, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. That the things that we think here, the attitudes that we have, Affect what we do. Matthew chapter 9. Just don't turn there. Just real quick. Matthew chapter 9. Jesus has healed the lame man who has been lowered by his four friends through the roof and and heals him. And as he uh, tells him, first of all, your sins are forgiven. And then, then shows his deity through the power to the miracle to heal the man. There were Pharisees there. And the Bible says in Matthew... Chapter 9, Behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. Then later on, Jairus' daughter sick and dying. And while they're going to, to see her, there's a woman with an issue of blood. Spent all of her living, been in misery for years. But she kept coming to the Lord. And she was going to get to Him one way or the other. And the Bible says in verse 21 of that same chapter, For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. What you say to yourself makes a difference in what you believe about this book. And more importantly, about the God of this book. We can all put on. We know how to walk the walk and act. But may God help us to speak truth and honesty in the inward parts. Listen to Christ-honoring music. What you're singing here and what we've heard today is Christ-honoring music. It exalts the Savior, which lifts our hearts and our minds and our eyes to Him. And then put yourself around people that you know have a right spirit. There are people that you know 
but you can always be encouraged just by being around them. There's a man that serves on the staff with us at, at Tabernacle. And I enjoy being around him because he has a right attitude, a right spirit, a right perspective. Thank God for people like that and get around them so that they can rub off on us. But in closing, I want you to understand that God loves you and and God has all authority. And you can't always control your circumstances. And many of you have experienced circumstances that are not of your making. They're not of your choosing. They're as the result of someone else's sin or, or perhaps someone else's disobedience. And you can't control your circumstances always. But God does give us the power to control our attitude and how we respond to that. If you'll trust Him with it. Daniel decided he wasn't going to live like a victim. He wasn't going to blame. He wasn't going to criticize. He wasn't going to have a wrong attitude. But he was going to live like a victor. And the greatest example that we have of that very truth is our Savior. And he says it this way. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. You want a right spirit? Here it is. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. The greatest spirit that we can emulate, the greatest attitude that we can follow and seek is Jesus Christ. We understand that. 